Man, I was standing in, in the back during that last song, and I was blown away by the, the volume of the song, not from the band, because I can't hear anything coming out of the speakers because they're facing you, right? But this song coming from you as an offering up to God and this worship was overwhelming. It's this incredible moment that only I had, and so I'm sorry I couldn't share that with you, but it was unbelievable to hear that back there. And I was struck, especially considering what I'm going to talk about this morning, with how what we sing in here won't matter if we don't go out there and live lives that reflect that truth. If we don't believe that, the second that we walk out the doors and live lives that, are, that resemble this fact that we serve a God that wants everybody to come and know him, that our worship in here should get louder and our lives out there should be louder because of our actions. And, and if we can live our lives like that, then God will be amplified in a world that is often too noisy with brokenness and darkness and injustice. And so the crux of this morning is, and of every morning when we gather together, is will what we talk about and sing about and learn about when we're here together influence the way that we see our lives when we leave these doors? My prayer is that it absolutely does. We are in week two of a four-week series called More Than a Hashtag, and it's talking about exactly this issue, and it's probably why it was on my heart this morning, is because we talk about social media and things like that, it can become very tempting to, to feel like you're doing a lot by posting something about a cause or posting something about, and, and those are good things, but it also has to reflect in our lives, that our lives have to match what our actions, that it's not sufficient just to talk about something, it's not sufficient just to post about something, it's not sufficient just to organize it with the other posts that are like that. A hashtag, if you didn't know, is an organizing system for social media so that something can get volume in a, in a very, very crowded space, which is social media. We can organize our thoughts together and give voice to something that needs to be talked about. But then action has to follow behind that. And this is not a new problem for humanity. This has always been the issue. Is will our lives match what we're saying? Will our lives match the, the, will we have the courage to match our convictions? Will we live out what we believe? And Micah's addressing this issue with the, with the people of God. And Micah 6, 8, the, the basis for this whole message, he says this, he's shown you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And last week, Mike talked about how you don't have to do everything. It can be overwhelming. You don't have to do everything, but you can do something, and you should do something. And so do something in, in the name of God to meet a need, to help somebody out. And today, we're looking at what it means to act justly. So if we're going to figure out what it means to act justly, we have to come up with a, a, a basic understanding of what justice is, and justice can be defined in a lot of ways, but I wanted to give a really simple definition for justice this morning so that we can rally around it and go out and live that way when we leave these doors. And so justice is simply making wrong things right, 
you could say that justice is making wrong things right. And you could, you could come up with a much more complex definition for justice. But I think for us today, can we just rally around this idea that we need to make wrong things right? If we're to live justly, we need to make wrong things right. When we see something that's wrong, we need to do what is in our power to make it right. And again, not everything, but something. Can we do something to make a wrong right? And so this past just a couple weeks ago, our Christmas offering went to equipping somebody to go down to Cincinnati and stand in the gap because we believe it's wrong that there are children there at a higher rate than a, than a lot of other cities in the nation, and it's right down the street from us, that there are children there that don't have parents that are providing them stability. And so we want to partner with a missions organization that's going to stand in the ground because that's a wrong thing that we can participate in making it right. Are we going to solve everything, every issue there? No, but we did something. We're going to do something to help meet that need. We're going to make that wrong right as best we can. And so the question today, and the question almost every day, is will you, will we, will I make something that's wrong right? Will we start or continue to make wrong things right? Because injustice has been in the world since the fall of man. If you know the story of creation and the fall, you know that that's when things started to go wrong. When God created the world, he created it, and over and over and over again, he said, this is good. Morning and night, and this is good. Animals on the ground, this is good. People on earth, and it's very good. Things were as they were supposed to be, as the designer intended it to be. Things were right. And the word there for that completely is, is this Hebrew idea of shalom. Shalom is peace, but not peace as we typically think about it in an American context. When we think about peace, I don't know if this is what you think of, but this is what I think of. When we think about peace, we think about quiet moments when the kids aren't crying for a minute or the phone's not going off or you're not getting honked at in traffic, or, you know, whatever. Maybe you don't get honked at. Maybe you're better drivers than me. But this, these peaceful, quiet moments. But this idea of peace is that everything is as it should be. Things are complete. It's whole. There's no brokenness here. There was shalom when the world was as God intended it to be. But then people wanted to be like God, wanted to have the knowledge. We wanted to be like God, and so we ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree. And as the story goes, we began to understand our inadequacies, and the, and the brokenness entered the world. Sin entered the world, and, and from that moment on, shalom was fractured. And since then, God has been drawing man back to himself attempting to restore the world to what it would be. And the hope that we hang on when we're here together is that when Jesus returns, everything will be, again, completely whole and restored. Perfect. But we're living in the in-between. When things are getting fixed, we have this invitation to participate in fixing the broken world. As we do that, we get to make heaven, the eventual restoration of all things to as they were supposed to be, we get to make that more real for people. 
It starts with stepping into wrong things and making them right. And so he doesn't just say, okay, go, make wrong things right. He also gives us a roadmap. And so if we're going to live justly, if we're going to act justly, we need to know what we're supposed to do. And we need to go to the designer of everything when we get our sense of what is right and what is wrong. And so to live justly, we need to agree with God on what's right and what's wrong. Because we are unable to, in ourselves, we're unable to have a sense of justice that surpasses ourselves. We know that we need justice. We know that we want justice. We know that we want life to be fair. And you know this is true, especially if you have little kids in your home. I know this is true because I have little kids in my home. And if I take from Emery, my less than two-year-old, her stuffed animal, whether she should have it or not, that is an injustice in her eyes, and she will let you know about it. That is not right. I am a criminal. I should be tried in high court for the tragedy that I just inflicted on her. She wants her Ariel back. Give me my stuffed animal. And my five-year-old is especially, uh, has this like deep sense of injustice or justice, and he will throw around all the time, that's not fair. What he means is, I don't like that. I know that because he will say, it's not fair that you're making me wash my hands after I go to the bathroom. I was like, that, I don't think you understand completely what's fair, but we have this deep desire for things to be right and as they should be. But as kids show us sometimes, we have limited perspective. And we can be the same way with our perceived injustices in the world. And so we need something bigger than ourselves to give us a sense of justice. And God does that. He outlines what justice looks like, what it means to live a full and complete life. And so to live justly means to live reading and reflecting on and living out Scripture, knowing the Word of God. This words are life. It says that for a reason because when things are as they should be, it's like we've come alive, like we can see in color for the first time, like there's no brokenness around us. This actually works as it's supposed to work, as it was designed to be when relationships exist under the authority of Scripture. It's, it's good. There's life there. There's wholeness there. It's not as broken. It's not completely fixed yet, but it's, it's more complete than what it was before we started living according to what God had to say. I have this really bad uh, tendency, and the really bad tendency is that I view instruction manuals as instruction suggestions, and I will glance through the instructions as I'm building something, and like 50% of the time, I get it right the first time. That's not bad, if you ask me, but I would get it right like 100% of the time if I just followed the instructions. I know that I have a bad tendency of doing this because one time in particular when I was building the crib before Cohen was born, I had to build, take apart, and rebuild it four different times. Four times, which means, if you're a counting person, that I built it one time and I looked at it and it looked a little wonky, and then I saw on the left side a big old sticker that was very incriminating that said right, and then on the left, on the other side, the opposite, and I was like, oh boy, that's not good, and it seemed sturdy, and I thought about just leaving it. It's like, he's not going to fall through. I mean, it's 
good enough, you know. But then I thought, no, it's my infant child. Let me do it right. Then I did the same thing again. I don't know how I did the same thing again because you would think that it was just like, take this one, put it over here, this one, put it over there, and done. But then I did it a third time. Wrong. And my sweet, gracious, very patient wife said to me, well, Adam, do you think that they maybe put the stickers on wrong? I thought, yeah, that must be what it is. It couldn't be anything other than the fact that they put the stickers on wrong. And that's the story that I'm sticking with. It is constructed correctly, and there are no stickers on it anymore. So, uh, yeah. Scripture provides us a would-be instruction manual for how to live a full and complete life. But we have a tendency of viewing it as instruct, uh, you know, a suggestion. As a, well, maybe, I mean, if everything else fails, maybe we'll try it God's way. And God's like, hey, I designed the whole thing. It works when you do it my way. I know because I designed it. That's supposed to be on the left side, and that's supposed to be on the, you got it backwards a little bit. Make this fix, and things will be better. And over and over and over again in Scripture, we see God listing out what it means to live justly. And so buckle in because we're going to just read through a couple verses in a row right now. And just think about what are the common themes in these verses because these are all over the place. Micah 6, 6 through 8, the the main text for this four-week series says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before and exalt to God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or... With 10,000 rivers of olive oil, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, uh, for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Or James 1, and 27 says, be doers of the word, meaning know what Scripture says and do that, and not only hearers of the word, meaning don't just come to church and listen to what Scripture says, but live out what Scripture says, because if you are hearers only, you're deceiving yourselves. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Or Psalm 82.3, provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Zechariah 7, 9 through 10, the Lord of armies says this, make fair decisions, show faithful love and compassion to one another, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the resident alien or the poor, and do not plot evil in your hearts against one another. Proverbs 31, 8, speak up for those who have no voice for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Amos 5, 24, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. We are... We, the people of God, are called to stand up for the people who have no voice for themselves and to help other people stand up for people who have no voice for themselves as we meet the needs of people and make wrong things right. We're supposed to see things and say, that's wrong. Let's fix that. That shouldn't be wrong anymore. There are kids in this city who go home on Fridays from school sad because they know that their next meal isn't coming until Monday breakfast when they're back at school. That's not 
right? Can we do something to make that wrong right? There are people who don't have enough money to afford new clothes for themselves. And so can we give clothes away? Can we give shopping experience to people? And yes, Threads was born. There are things that we see in this world that are not right. It's not right that kids don't have the stability of parents to guide them through life. And so we're going to step in the gap when it comes to orphans because we cannot stand for that wrong to be wrong anymore. And we're going to participate and make it right because Jesus is sending us out with our eyes wide open to the things that are unjust in this world, that are broken, that are not the way that God designed them to be. God did not design children to be alone and without stable care. He didn't design it that way, and we know that's not right, which is why Christians a long time ago noticed that that children were being left by the side of the road and they, they knew Jesus said, take care of the little ones. So they would pick those kids up off the side of the road, and the first orphanages were born. And that wrong was being started to make right. Because in old times, if your child was born with a handicap, they were less than, and they were discarded, literally discarded on the side of the road. And Jesus' people said, no, that's not right. And so what can we see? What, are we, what is God laying on our hearts that's not right? What can we do to help people? And so when we talk about justice, we need an understanding of where people's needs are. Where is the brokenness? And there are different levels to needs. And I want, I want to just look at those for a second. Level one. We have to come to an understanding of this. Level one, the most basic and pressing need that any person has is the need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is the most pressing thing and the best thing that we can give to anybody is an understanding of what Jesus has come to do for them. That he came to give them life, eternal life, that death doesn't have to be the end, that brokenness doesn't have to be your normal every day, that you can live as a valuable contributor to the kingdom of God here and now. The best thing that we can do for someone is to disciple them and help them understand the life that Jesus has for them. That has to be the thing that sends us out of these doors is that some people are living their life today not knowing that God loves them and sent his son to die for them so that they could be restored into a relationship with them. That should break our hearts that they don't know that they can have forgiveness for all of their past mistakes and they can walk in a wholeness moving forward and they can participate in an advancing kingdom of God that fixes what's broken in the world. That we get to be people of peace in this world, bringing shalom, bringing wholeness and restoration and redemption. Jesus doesn't just offer salvation. He offers restoration and redemption and a way to make the broken things in your life whole again. He wants us to live as we were designed to live, and we were designed by him to live for him. And that need, meeting that need, never comes at the expense of these other things. It's not a choice. Level, it's not a choice between the two, but level one sends us out to do these other things, to meet people's level, their physical needs. Their physical needs. There are people who are in a literal living hell because they don't have enough food or money 
or anything to get past tomorrow. And so let's meet that, that need while we talk about a God who can meet their eternal need too. Let's not walk past that need or just forget that need, but let's use the fact that we're sent out by God to bring healing and restoration to people to go meet their needs and meet their spiritual needs and tell them about a God who loves them. And there's relational needs, people that are broken from any sense of community who don't know if anybody supports them in life. And we can go and we can show up and be in their life and there's relational brokenness and God wants to heal that relational brokenness. And there's systemic issues. There are issues that are large and large, large scale issues that are, that are systems that are oppressing to people and we are called to speak up for the needs of the oppressed. Psalm 82.3 says, provide justice for the needy and the fatherless, uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. And so if we see systems at play that are just pushing people down, we need to speak up on behalf of the people who are being pushed down. We need to punch up a little bit on behalf of justice because nobody should be held down because everyone is a child of God. Proverbs 31.8, speak up for those who have no voice for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Kids who don't have enough food. Kids who don't know where they're going to sleep tomorrow night because they sleep in a different bed every night. People who are just held back. We fight for justice and we speak on behalf of the oppressed and the people who are treated wrongly because Jesus sent us out to make wrong things right. To restore things as they were supposed to be fix this world and make heaven a little more real every time we do. Jesus is asked by teachers of the law, experts on the law, you know, who do we, who are we supposed to stand up for? Who is my neighbor is the question that he's asked. Because the teacher of law has given the correct book answer Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. And the expert of the law, wanting to know what the boundaries were, what the confines were of that law, said, okay, so who's my neighbor? And Jesus answers with a story, a very famous story from Scripture. But this is Jesus' answer when he's asked, who all are we supposed to look out for? Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him for dead. A priest happened to be going down the road when he saw him. He passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took some money and gave it to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra cost, whatever extra you spend. And so then Jesus asked the question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor of the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. The one who showed mercy to him, he said. And Jesus told him, go and do the same. 
don't walk past wrongs in your day. Don't just carry on as you walk past the injustices in the world. As you hear the kid getting bullied in class, as you hear that coworker become the butt of the joke for the, the same time every time, as you see the person that is starving, as you see the person that doesn't have enough clothes, as you see the person that is in bondage, as you see the person that's being pressed down, don't just walk by. I would like to think myself a pretty compassionate person. But I don't stop every time that I drive up on somebody and they're asking for money. And it's for a myriad of reasons. The kid's in the car being taken advantage of. I have been taken advantage of in the past. You know, different reasons. But whatever the excuse is, sometimes I, I don't stop every time. I try to use my best judgment when I see those things or when a need comes up my way. I try to use my best judgment. I think that's all we can do. But a study comes to mind every time I think about this topic and justice in general and having compassion on people and and loving people. And it's a study that I've mentioned before by two psychologists. They wanted to study this scenario. And so they had seminary students prepare a talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and they told a third of them that they had plenty of time to get from where they were preparing their talk to where they were going to give their talk. They told another third that they had just enough time that they were running a little bit late. And they told the last third that they were late, that they had forgot to come and get them and that they had to go. And in between where they were and where they were going, they put a person that, got, that was visibly distressed, that was crying out in pain. And the number one influencer on whether these seminary students would stop or not was whether they had enough, they thought they had enough time to get to where they needed to go. And I think about that a lot because I know that these seminary students aren't more corrupt than all of us sitting in this room. But the same thing happened to them that happens to us. We fail to see kingdom priorities as higher than our own. We fail to see the opportunities that Jesus is putting right in front of us to bring heaven to earth because we have a need or somebody has a need that we can meet. And we think, oh, I'm, I'm a little busy right now. Maybe somebody else will come along behind me. Only 10% of the students who thought that they were running late stopped. 10%. Would I be that one in ten? Will we have the courage when we leave this place to our busy schedules? I'm not discounting that. You're going to go and do important things. I know that. But will you live your day with kingdom priorities as number one in your life? Or build into your day some margin for everything so that, so that, you can right wrongs in your life. Schedule one less meeting. Do one less activity with the kids. Do one less time out so that there's margin so that when something comes up, I can meet that need. I can go and be God's person in that scenario. I can bring healing and restoration and wholeness into this situation. I can't do everything, but I can do something, and I'm going to make my life able to do something when something comes up. 
I will reprioritize my calendar and my scheduling because Jesus has sent us out to be people who act justly in the world, to be people who participate, who really contribute in his advancing kingdom in the world because things should be whole again. They should be right again. And justice shouldn't be so prevalent. We can be those people. We're sent out to be those people. But will we have the, the conviction? Will we have the, the purpose? Will we have the intentionality to become those people? And say, it's, it's, it's done. That, that Dayton is the fourth hungriest city in the nation. I'm going to help do something about that. That's wrong, and I'm going to help make it right. It's wrong that my friend thinks that they're all alone in the world. I'm going to do something to make that right because God called us to be together, and so I'm going to help bring healing into that situation. I will go in Jesus' name to be his person because following Jesus is the most important thing in my life, and making a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple is the most important thing in my life. And so I'll act justly and I will let justice flow from my life because all I look for is ways to bring heaven to earth, to bring peace to a world that's too often filled with chaos. As we leave, let's remember that like it or not, Jesus said this in Matthew 22. He said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two things. Will we be people who go and do likewise as we're walking down Jericho's road? Will we be people who go and do likewise as we see needs that come up, will we go and do likewise? Because that gives volume to our worship in here and it gives volume to our lives of worship out of those doors. May we have the courage to go and do likewise. Will you pray with me? God, send us out. Send us out with wisdom and clarity and judgment that surpasses our own so that we can rightly follow your leading, so that we can make wrong things right. Give us a desire to hinge our lives on your word, to desire clarity, not from our own understanding, but from an understanding of what you've said life is supposed to be about. Help us to restore the world as it should be, a world that follows you, a world that understands what life is. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.